Father, God, we thank you for the fact that we're no longer slaves to fear. How often the enemy tries to convince us that we are slaves to fear. And how often, Lord, do we sometimes succumb to that. I just pray that we wouldn't be that way. I pray that you would remind us of your strength and your strength alone. And we have no, no strength in our own. And when we rely on you, Father, there's nothing for us to be afraid of. There's nothing that we have to fear. Lord, I just pray that we be a people that lean into you more every single day. God, I know that I need to. I need to, to stop so many times and just pause and say, Father, I need you. God, I'm here worshiping you today because I want to be close to you. Lord, maybe through the week I've been away from you and I haven't focused on you the way that I need to. And I just need to be here to be reminded of your goodness and your love and how much I need you. And I believe that's the reason a lot of people are here. They just need to hear that. They just need to to take a few minutes out of their week to just say, all right, God, I've, I've, I've lost my focus and I need to be refocused. And Lord, I just pray that that's what happens today, that we learn something about you, we draw close to you. God, we're able to praise you. Our hearts can rejoice in who you are. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that now as we look at your word, Lord, that it would start a work in this place. Lord, as we look at your word and what it has to say to us, I pray that the work would begin. But Lord, as we go out from this place, through the rest of this day and throughout the rest of the week, Lord, this word would continue to penetrate our hearts and continue to change us. Lord, your, your word is powerful and we trust it and we believe that you have the power to change lives through it. So be glorified now as we just look at what you have to say to us. Father, speak. Speak clearly to us. And God, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So we've been in a series in Nehemiah lately. We've been talking about building walls, and we talked about building walls in Haiti, which we're going to do. Um, God is kind of firming up some, uh, some things in my own mind and some of the, my, in the minds of some of the leadership here, and uh, we're getting some direction there. So that's good. But we've also been talking about how in Nehemiah, it's really talking about in a lot of ways our spiritual lives too, and how we have some broken down places in our, in our lives, some things that need repair, some things that need to be shored up. You know what I mean? Like it shored up. It needs to be reinforced, if you will, because it's broken down. And then we also talked about in, in the picture of the, whole church, the church as a whole, sometimes we have some areas that are broken down and some things that, that need to be fixed between us. And I want to continue today. And, and we talked about last week and I got to thinking about last week and how things are going good. In, in, in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4, like things are, are good and people are building and they're coming against opposition and the old Sanballat and Tobiah, they're, they're talking smack and, you know, Nehemiah doesn't really care. As a matter of fact, the people, it doesn't discourage them. It kind of fires them up a little bit and they start, you know, they say, okay, like you're going to come against us, you're going to threaten us, then we'll, we'll have a trial in one hand and a sword in the other you know, come at me, bro. I mean, like, that's where they're at, right? Like, they're like, we're going to build anyway. It don't matter what you say. We're going to build anyway. We're going to rebuild the walls here because the walls around Jerusalem represent uh, the protection of God. And these are the very people of God. And God's presence is represented by Jerusalem. And, and, and that being kind of where God dwelt, the one true God of the universe is right there with those people. And the blessing of God was on those people. So when those walls are broken down, it makes it look like there's, there's something wrong with the people, and the reason the walls got broke down in the first place is because they were disobedient to God. And Nehemiah gets all upset about it. He's like, I don't want us to be known like that. 
We can't be known as these, these sinful people that turn against God. We've got to be known as strong people that, that are in the presence of God. So the people are all fired up, man. Even when the opposition comes against them, that they're going to they're build anyway. And they're, they're ready to go, and things are going good. And you can imagine, as all good movie stories go, right, there's going to be a plot twist, right? There's something that happens, and things are going well, and then we've got to stop, and we've got to... We got to have a bad moment, right? Like that's the way every movie goes, right? So here we're in Nehemiah. We're reading Nehemiah's diary, basically, is what we're doing. And Nehemiah's talking to us, and he's recording things that are going on. And like I say, as all good stories go, there's kind of a bad moment, and that's where we are. So they've been singing and rejoicing, and things are going good. And now we got to come to the plot twist, and and things don't go so well right now. And I, I really want you to to listen to Nehemiah chapter five, where things kind of go downhill for just a minute because there's a break in the story. And there's, it's, like, it's like it's all about building the wall, building the wall, building the wall. And then it's like, but there's something we got to address right now. There, there is something that is worth us coming down off of this, this work of God. There's some, some, a reason why, that is worthy of us stopping the work to go deal with the situation. And, and let me tell you, th- this is a big deal, Okay. This, this is a big deal. I mean, if it's so big in God's word that it, it's, us, it's worth breaking the story and us stopping to deal with an issue, I think that it ought to be worth in our lives us stopping for a minute and addressing a, a, an issue in, in our lives too. Well, let's read for a little bit and then you'll, you'll kind of understand what I'm talking about. So at the end of chapter 4, it says, We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. So they're, they're like protecting themselves. Nobody's coming after us. We, if they do, then we're all going to sound trumpets. We're going to come rushing together, and there's strength in numbers. We're going to defend ourselves, right? All right, so things are going good. And then Nehemiah chapter 5, it's like you flip the page of his diary, and, and here we come to a whole new story almost. It's where we are. In Nehemiah chapter 5, it says this, about, about this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. Uh-oh, you mean there's a problem amongst the, the, the Jews? There's a, there's a problem in, in the crowd. Yeah, there is, and let's, talk, let's look at what that is. They were saying, we have such large families. We need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family, as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs, yet we must sell our children into slavery to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we're helpless to do anything about it. For our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. It's not a good situation, right? So Nehemiah pauses in his diary just a second to say, hang on, we've got to address a little situation here. The people are hungry. The people are hungry. That's a big deal. They don't have food. They can't run down to Walmart to get broccoli. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the way that it works in, in, in Israel at this time. They, they, have to, they have to have land so they can plant their food, grow their crops. And here we see a situation where, where they're broke. That, that some of them mortgaged off their land when a famine came through, and, and now they got... They, they don't own the land. They can't use the land. They, they got... Kids are selling into slavery. I mean, this is a big deal. And let me tell you something, that, that it is hard 
When we were down in Haiti, it's hard to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ when they don't have food to eat or clean water to drink. It really is. It's hard to tell something, somebody about Jesus and his goodness and his greatness when we're sitting over there and we got our pot bellies sticking out and they're starving to death. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. It's kind of hard sometimes to, to, to tell them, man, Jesus supplies all you need. And their stomach's growling because they hadn't eaten in two days. If it's worthwhile for them to pause in the word of God that that God has recorded Nehemiah's diary, it is worthwhile for us to pause for just a minute and say, there is a greater need that we we must sometimes, as much as we want to strengthen ourselves and build up the walls and all that, we need to remember that there's some other stuff going on that we don't need to forget about. And that is there are people today that when we're, we're out there eating lunch, they won't have anything to eat today or tomorrow. And we'll go and, and, and we'll spend 50 bucks on lunch and, and we won't even bat an eye at that. And, and 50, month, $50 is, is more than they would make in a year. I don't think we need to be complacent about it. I don't think we need to just sit idly by and say, well, God will take care of it. God will take care of it. Now, what I am proud to say is that how you guys responded when we took up an offering for, for Haiti and, and we took over $10,000 up and, and we sent it for disaster relief and that's wonderful, but it doesn't need to stop there. Let me tell you, it doesn't need to stop there. That's not enough. That's not enough. We need to continue to meet people's needs. We need to do everything that we can to, to meet people's needs. And, and here we see, we see these people are hungry And I want you to think about how desperate these people are. Some of you men in here, you're like me, you got a daughter. You got a daughter. And in Israel, they had large families, obviously is what it said here, so they would have many daughters. And because they couldn't afford to feed them, they would marry them off and say, here, go live with this family, be married to this man. I don't know if you love him or not, that's not the point, you need to eat. And this is to keep you from dying, so please go and get married to this family. Now, now for me, I, it's gut-wrenching to think about that. It's heartbreaking to think about the fact that I have to marry my daughter off just so she could have food and wouldn't die. But that's the place that they're at right here. That's where they are. And they're even pointing out the disparity between the fact that, hey, we're all part of the same family with some of these wealthy people. When I read that, y'all, it, it, it crushed me and it spoke to me. You realize that we're one family of God, right? And we like to talk about being the family of God and we think about that in terms of our church and some church down the street and some church over in Georgia. We're all part of the family of God. Well, let me tell you, there's part of our family right now that is starving and they will not eat today. They won't eat today. And they may be 1,200 miles away, or they may be 3,000 miles away. But they're starving, and they're hungry. And, and, and we, we have got to address some things. We have got to not sit idly by and not care about it. We've got to be focused on this issue. So Nehemiah, in his diary here, he's, he's pointing out something to us. And I, I think that we, too, need to take pause in the middle of this, 
this story about us building walls and we need to say, is there other stuff that we need to address? Is there other things that are really, really important that we need to keep on the radar? Because Nehemiah did. And it was important enough for him to stop this work of God to say, hang on just a second. There's a greater work of God that needs to be done for just a minute. So that's where I want us to focus this morning. Um, we, we got ourselves a, um, we got it used, but we got a, like a water cooler thing. It's right over here. You, I'm pointing this way because it's on the other side of that wall. You can't see it. I'm not a magician, but it, it's on the other side of that wall. Because one of the things that God had impressed upon me is, and this is weird, okay? Now, this is just me being completely transparent with you, is water bottles that, that we have water bottles. I'm, there's nothing sinful about water bottles, okay? There's really not. I mean, I mean it's okay for us to have bottled water. It, it's, it's not against God's law or anything like that. But what it did impress upon me is when I go around and I pick up bottles that are three-quarters full or they're not even opened yet, and I pick them up off the floor, and I'm not, look, I'm not getting on you if that's happened to you. I've done that stuff before too, okay? But what I am saying is this. It's like we can do something better. So really, I mean, it may seem so insignificant to you, but I really, I do focus on the little things sometimes because God puts them on my heart. And that was one thing. And it was like, why can we not just have a water cooler? We used to have a, a water fountain, but it broke. And so we didn't have a water fountain anymore. But we, we, can, we can get rid of the bottled water and we'll start using cups of water because it'll save the church some money. Why am I worried about saving the church some money? So that we, we can put more lights up or, or any of that kind of stuff? No, that's not the reason. It's so that we can, we can use that money to reach more people and, and meet the needs of other people. Just like they did in the book of Acts. People that had a lot of money, they gave it to the church so, that, so the church could take it and give it to the people who didn't have any money. And that was what was on their hearts and that was how they lived their lives. And, and y'all, look, I, I, I started today by bringing my own... I can do this, Right? Like, this is something I can do, a, a bottle. I, I, I got one. Of the, I can wash it. I really can. I don't have to have a brand new bottle of water. So we're going to do away with a bottle. He'd be like, man, this is 10 minutes on bottled water. I, we're going to do away with bottled water so that we can, we can save that money and, and use that money to reaching people that don't have clean water at all. And next week, we'll actually have the people here from Never Thirst out of Birmingham that do the water projects and... Uh, we're going to give them a check, too, and, uh, so that they can go and do more water projects. Uh, we raised money in here for a water project in Cambodia, and they're going to talk to us all about the stuff that they're doing. So I'm excited about that. Don't miss next Sunday. You want to be here for that. But here, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 5, he's pausing for just a second to deal with the situation, and the situation was important, important enough for God to devote a whole chapter of the book of Nehemiah to this particular situation. So here they are, they're talking about the injustice that's going on, and they're talking to Nehemiah about it, because he's, he's their leader, he, he's, he's the one that's in charge, so they're talking to him about it. He says, when I heard their complaints, I was very angry. Oh, Nehemiah sinning in the Bible. No, that's not what that is, this is a righteous kind of anger. I mean, it's okay for us to get frustrated about some stuff, so long as it, it, it's, it's, it's about the right things. So long as it doesn't, it doesn't penetrate our lives in such a way that it, that it owns us. Here, Nehemiah's got a righteous kind of anger. He says, after thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. 
that we got, we got people that we got to deal with. And he says this. He said, I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. So he goes to them one-on-one and says, you're causing a problem by charging so much interest, and these people are starving, and they can't afford to pay for it. And then he called a public meeting to deal with the problem. Sometimes we got to do stuff in public. You know what I mean? We can't, we can't just... I mean, I mean, I think that the indication here, if you look at what Matthew uh, records, it's really to address things one-on-one. If that doesn't work, then you address them in public. And, and here, I think this is what we see Nehemiah doing. He, he, he talks to him about it, and I don't think he made any progress necessarily by just talking to him about it. So what does he do? He has a public meeting because it's more, it, it goes far beyond these nobles and these, these rich guys. It, it's really a public problem, so we're going to deal with it in public. And this is what he says, at that meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves into pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I pressed further. So, so Nehemiah is pushing them a little bit here, and he says, then I pressed further. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's not right. He said, what you're doing is not right. Now, oh, this, this is where it gets testy, right? So are you telling me that, that we, we shouldn't charge interest? Is, is it bad to charge interest? Okay, here's the deal. It's okay for you to make money. It really is. We know that. God's word says we're, we're okay to make money, and that's all right. But let me, let me tell you something here. When it starts to own you, when the love of money starts to control you and that's the only thing that matters and not the fact that you're crushing people as a result of you making money, that's when it becomes a problem. And Nehemiah looks at them and says, what you're doing is not right. And there may be some people in here that, that are making money off the backs of people that really have nothing. And I believe what God would tell you right now is if he saw you face to face, he would say, what you're doing is not right. What you're doing is not right. I, I think that, that sometimes we need to examine ourselves to look, look at what we're doing, look at how we're making money. And, and are we doing it on the backs of people that have nothing? And, and you know, there's this whole, there's this whole thing with, with EpiPens a lot of you have heard about, right? Have you heard the whole EpiPen thing that's in the news a lot? And the, and the whole escalation of the EpiPen price when... When there's no real necessary need for the raise in the price of EpiPens. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to harp on one thing here, but let me tell you something. If, if you're in a position like that, when you're raising the price on something, or you're trying to, to do all you can to squeeze something out of people that desperately need what you have, what you're doing is not right. And if we're to be known as the people of God, we're not supposed to do stuff like that. We're not supposed to try to get blood out of a turnip, you know what I mean? Like, like trying to crush people, trying to get everything we can. And I don't want to generalize here, but, you know, the whole car salesman thing would, would be tough for me to do, you know what I mean? Um, I'm not getting on car salesmen because I got a really good friend who's a car salesman, but sometimes I, I see those guys... And I don't believe this guy's like that, but, but there are some guys that will do everything they can to sell a car to make some money, even if the people can't afford that car. 
They can't afford that mortgage. They can't afford that payment, and they will do everything they can to make a little bit of money for themselves to put other people in a place of dire straits. And I think that's exactly the kind of injustice that Nehemiah is talking about right here. He says, what you're doing is not right. And he calls them out publicly. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I, I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain. But now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to, this, to them this very day. And repay in the interest you have charged them. You lent them the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest and made the nobles and the officials swear to do what they had promised. He said, <laughs> I love it, man, I, I like that. All right. So, so obviously the, these officials, these nobles, they, look, they looked at what they were doing. And they go, yeah, you're right. It ain't right. You ain't right. And we, we're going to stop this practice, Okay. Because things are not going well, and we're in the process of rebuilding walls, and we recognize there's a need right now, so, so we're going to stop this, this stuff that we've been doing. And he says, okay, let's go, get, let's go get the priests and bring them in here so they can witness what these guys are saying. Why? Why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? Because I think that, that when we make commitments... To do some things, I think that we need to recognize that, that we're not making the commitments just for the people that we're committing to, but we're commit, making those commitments to God. It's a whole lot different when you make a promise to somebody that you know than it is to make a promise to God, is it not? It's a whole lot different. It's a whole lot bigger deal. So, so he's saying, okay, you're committed to doing this. I want you to recognize how big of a deal this is. This is a commitment that you're making to God, not just to these people. You're making this commitment to God. And, and I believe that he's pointing that out when he brings the priest in. He says, all right, look at, look at this. I want you to recognize that, that, that this is a big deal right here. And here he brings in the priest and, and, and makes them make this commitment in front of everybody. Then he gives them a little warning here too. This is, this is pretty crazy. Um, you have to remember that this is Nehemiah's diary. So he's just recording it. Went on. So he said, I shook out the folds of my robe and said, if you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. What is he doing? He's fanning his skirt, right? That's what he's doing. Everybody's like, did he really just say that about Nehemiah? Yeah, so he's got his robe and he's like doing like this. That's what's going on, right? And he says, He's like, look, if you're lying right now, if you're not really committed to this, may God do this to you. And he shakes his robe a little bit. He says, may it shake you up and shake you out of your house because you're making this commitment to God, not to just to these people. So let, let me challenge you a little bit, just like God has challenged me through this passage. That when we are committed to meeting people's needs, and we are committed to... to to praying for people that are hungry and then doing something about it through our actions. I want you to, to recognize that you're not just making that commitment to those people, that you are making that commitment to God. That's why it's important for us to pray about it and do it. It's, it's important for you to do both of those. 
And that's so that you recognize that this is not just a commitment to the people, but it's a commitment to God because you're talking to God about it. I know that this seems like stuff like it should be obvious to us, right? But I think that we've overlooked that sometimes. That we, need, we need to look at this and say, man, this is a big deal what we're doing here. The whole assembly responded, amen, amen, and they praised the Lord, and the people did as they promised. It's like they were saying a prayer here, God, we are committed to doing this according to what you have shown us, according to what you have told us to do. We're we're committed to doing this, amen. Let it be so. Let it be so. According to God's will. Amen. Amen. And the people did as they had promised. Man, I want, I want us to be recorded in biblical history this way. That I want this to be written on a tablet in heaven somewhere where, where, where we were so moved because there are people that are hurting in this world, there are people that, that are starving in this world, there are people that don't have clean water in this world, and, and, and it's, it's recorded that, that these are people that did as they said. They didn't, just, they didn't just say it, they did it, and it was, it was according to what God had for them, and they just did it. They just did it. Now, I don't know if that will ever mean that we'll have a really big congregation or a really big church or a ton of people or a ton of money or any of that kind of stuff. I just want to be known as people that did it. That we took what we had and we said, God, this is what we got, and we just used this for your glory and, and to reach people that didn't have anything, and we just did it. There wasn't a lot of people on board with the idea, but we just did it anyway. And that's all we cared about. For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 20th year, the 32nd year of the reign of King Artaxerxes, neither I nor my officials drew our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people demanding a daily ration of food and wine besides 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. Now, let me, under, let me help you understand something. This is not Nehemiah being boastful here. This is Nehemiah speaking to us and, and just telling us what has happened. And this is what he did as a leader. I, you, know, you know that like I'm not the only leader in here, right? Have we cleared that up in this place? That I'm just like y'all? Okay, yeah, I I have a responsibility to lead this congregation, there's no doubt. But you have a sphere of people around you. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got co-workers, you've got got other students at your school. And God has placed you in that particular place and that time to influence those people and to lead people towards Christ and to lead people towards the things of God. You do realize I'm not the only leader in this building right now, right? You do realize that we all have a responsibility, right? That it ain't just me. So I want you to think about as a leader of this place that God has placed you in, I want you to think about what Nehemiah is saying here and what leaders are supposed to do. He said, I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing. Even though I regularly fed 150 Jews, Jewish officials at my table, Besides all the visitors in the other lands, the provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. 
And every 10 days, we needed a supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because of the people that already carried a heavy burden. Remember, O God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. Now, some people are like, man, he's just... He's just boasting about himself right here. He's, he's just talking about, look at me, look what I did. Look, look, at, look at all the things that, that I didn't take. I think we need to look at this as an example. I, I think we need to look at this as that, that this is what Nehemiah did because he saw the need. He saw that the people were hurting. He saw the people had need. So he didn't want to, he didn't want to take away from that. He wanted to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And I think we as people, we need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And, and I, it's, if it's just as simple as water bottles, so we're not using God's money so that we're, we're drinking water out of bottles and we're drinking them out of styrofoam cups, then so be it. I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be part of the problem. I want us to be, be a people that are, that are known that, that, that when, when the little things when the little things were an opportunity for those people to jump on it, they did it. And here, I think Nehemiah is saying, you know what? He said, I saw the burden. It says a couple of times in there, I saw the burdens of the people. He said, I didn't take my share. There are other governors that used to do that. He said, but we're going to set a new standard here in this place and in this time. We're going to do something different than the way it used to be done. I, I, I'm not boasting about Simple Church when I tell you that we're going to do something different than the way things have been done in other churches, okay? We're, we're not, I, I have seen, there's nothing wrong with having a building, okay? All right? Just like we talked about just a minute ago, there's nothing wrong with, 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 with making money. But when it, becomes, when it comes to the point where it owns you and it's all about how big your building is and it's all about how fancy your crown molding is, then it's a problem. Am I right? When, it, when it's all about uh, the number of people that you can fit in there and, and have a big concert or whatever, and it becomes all about that, and people can look up and say, look, look how big that building is. When it becomes about that and not about the things of God, then it becomes a problem. Am I saying that we'll never have a basketball gym? I'm not saying that, but I'm going to tell you this. It ain't likely. It ain't likely unless we can reach a large number of people by bringing them into our gym so that they can play basketball and we can teach the word of God to them. That's the only way I'm going to be okay with that. Now, there's a lot of people that will sell a basketball gym that way but won't end up using it that way. I know. I'm, I'm like, you're talking about specific churches. I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. We're... we're we're going to continue to do everything that we can to save money, all right? We're going to do everything that we can to be very careful about how we spend God's money because it is indeed God's money, and it is, it is not our money, okay? So that's the reason we went to two services in this building. Could we have gone somewhere else and got a bigger building? Yes, we could have. And we may do that at some point in time. But for right now, in this place, we want to do all that we could so we could send that money somewhere else or use that money some other way to be able to reach people that desperately need it. And I don't want to put a heavier burden on us by putting us in a building we can't afford. 
I want to be able to use that money to glorify the king of kings. And I believe that that's exactly what Nehemiah is saying here. And when he says, bless me for it, I don't believe he's saying like, like God, give me a bunch more stuff. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm doing everything I can, Lord, so that, so that this can be used the right way. God, I just want you to see that I'm trying to do the right thing. I believe that's what Nehemiah is saying here. I, God, I just want you to see that I'm doing everything I can to do it the right way. He's trying to lead us by example. He's trying to lead us by example. There was another example. See, he came later than Nehemiah. And this is what he said when we read in Luke chapter 4. This is what he said. And Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I believe the example Nehemiah was setting is the same example that Jesus is setting. For us to proclaim that the favor of the Lord has come, that we're supposed to preach the good news to the poor people, the blind people, to set the captives free. I believe that God has put us uniquely in this position and in this time to do something, y'all. And I don't want to miss this opportunity. I just want to be known as the people that did as God has shown us that we need to do, and we just did it. Whether that's rebuilding walls or meeting the needs of people that are hungry, we just did it. Because that's what Jesus did. I know that's what he did for me. You see, when I look at my spiritual life and how poor and how hungry and how blind I was, how I was in captivity, when I look at what Jesus did for me, how he set me free, how he fed me, how he opened my eyes, how he, he took me from being a poor, wretched soul that had no hope and, and, and made me part of his kingdom. I can't help but to want to be that way towards other people. I can't help but to want to set that example towards other people and say, this is what Jesus did. This is what he's all about. And because he was all about that, that's what I'm all about. Because he's my king and I'm part of his kingdom. What in, what in your life, what in your life have you, have you let creep in in this, this idea of, of helping people, of, of reaching people, of, of people that are in need that you've been so blinded to it, you just you haven't done it? What's, what's been holding you back? 
What is it that you loved more than you loved God's people? What is it? You need to come and sacrifice it. Say, God, all the, thing, the only thing that matters is you and, and your kingdom and, and what you've called me to. And I just want to be somebody that, that's done as you've called me to do. Is there anything that, that, that you feel like has, has, has separated you from God's calling on your life? Is there anything that has, has kept you away from, from being able to say, God, God, I did as you told me to do. And I, I was just somebody that did it. Is there anything that's held you back or kept you from doing that? I hope and I pray that we will be like Jesus. Because I, I know how, how he sacrificed himself for me. And I know that he's called me to live a sacrificial life. And I just want to do that the best way I know how. I pray and I hope that you do too. Father, thank you, God, for this precious word. Lord, how it challenges us and how it shows us that we have a higher calling on our life to be like Jesus. God, to, to preach the good news to the poor, to be ambassadors for Jesus, to tell them that they can be set free. God, but there's an immediate need. Lord, there's an immediate need that we need to sometimes, we just need to take pause and say, God, we want to do as you have called us to do and we want to meet that need. We have brothers and sisters around this world that, God, they're starving. And we've been so indifferent to that. There are brothers and sisters around this world that, that don't have clean water to drink. And, and we, we, we don't take time to care. And, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't do that. Lord, as you've impressed upon our hearts, God, that if we're to, to be as the, our great example Jesus set, if we're supposed to be his hands and feet, that, Lord, we're supposed to do as he did. Lord, impress upon our hearts that we don't need to sit idly by and wait on somebody else to do something. Impress upon our hearts, God, that we need to be the people that go and we do it. No matter what anybody else has done before, we need to be the people that go and do it. You have put us in this particular time and in this particular place to go and do the work that you've called us to do. So, Lord, impress that upon our hearts as we think about what Jesus did for us. Lord, if there's somebody here that they never had their eyes open to the fact that Jesus sacrificed himself for them. Lord, I pray that they would surrender to that truth and they would be set free. They'd be set free from the bondage of sin. They'd be set free from the bondage of themselves. Lord, and they'd be able to, to rest in your glory. God, whatever the case may be, however your people need to respond, I pray that they do it wholeheartedly and in response to you and to you alone. So, Father, speak in Jesus' name. Everyone please stand.